Yeah, you're damn right we're doing one after, um, arguably, and I say arguably because there have, there are some other contenders, um, arguably the biggest Knicks beatdown of the year. Um, it's, it's, it's up there. It's close. Um, Wednesday night against the Utah Jazz, and we, you know, we had to go the extra mile, so we... Had planned to do this podcast, but Jeremy Cohen said, you know what, Jonathan, it's not enough for me to just watch this one on TV. I have to go to Madison Square Garden and see this one in person to give the, the you know, tens of listeners out there the real feel for how this game was. So, Jeremy Cohen, welcome back from Madison Square Garden and welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. You know, besides the fact that they were losing by about 30 through a lot of the game, had a blast going there, and they tried their hardest. I wasn't expecting a win. I wasn't expecting them to even um, cut it to a 15-point game. But when you understand that they're going to lose and lose badly, you can just kind of have fun with it. I did have fun, but I got to say this was more of a beatdown than I was expecting. I so let, let's start there um, in terms of of what we were both expecting, and and granted we are, I I don't know if I characterize either of us as the the Pollyanna Knicks fan, um, but we are definitely more on the side of the glass half full, and I after the the Raptors game, so they played Monday night in Toronto, very tough place to play, even without. Kawhi Leonard and, and Serge Ibaka. That team is just, they're a well-oiled machine, and it showed. And they wiped the floor with the Knicks. And I said after the game that the one thing the Knicks haven't done this year, with the exception of the game way back in November where they essentially changed, I think it was three-fifths of their starting lineup um, after the, it was the Magic game, and then they changed it for the Thunder game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when that's when Moutier started starting and, and, and all those changes. Um, other than those two games, they haven't had two games this year where they've like just gotten their ass handed to them right out of the gate and they never made the game close. They've had two games in a row where they like came out badly, but then they, you know, they, they made it close late or they kept it, you know, close early and then they got blown out late. They hadn't had two games in a row that were just like non-competitive games start to finish since those two games way back in November. And that was like a small point of pride for me because we have so little as Nick fans. (laughs) (laughs) And now I've lost that because of what happened tonight. And I I was expecting more. And I want to ask you, because you said the words, not me. A minute ago, you were like, they tried. They just got their ass beat. Did You were there. Did it seem like they were trying on defense um, as they were giving up three after three and dunk after dunk? No. 
it quite frankly didn't. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I noticed as the game was going on was Dotson was bringing up the ball. And it really sunk in, wow, there's no Dennis Smith Jr., there's no Frankie Lakina, there's no Alonzo Trier. They've got no one to really run the point. And now, can, is I, that the, can I just say, also, you missed someone important. Could and, and, well, yes. <laughs> so, there's, there's so the list goes on and on. They have no no Vonley. I know Vonley's been out for a little while now, but I think it it should be noted that in these defensive train wrecks that Vonley's not there. And even though he hasn't been perfect uh, of late, um, he's still been their best defender on the year. So I think you know we should throw that in there. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, but no one was bringing up the ball, and I mean that's or doing an efficient job of commanding the offense. And I'm not saying that's the reason why they lost. There were far other reasons why they've lost. But for tonight, I mean, you know how you were certainly saying there was probable cause for why there's still a chance for Moutier and why the Knicks should do a a decent job of re-signing him. We talked about this the last time. I looked at this game and I thought to myself, John, this is the perfect evidence for why your argument or like why someone could say everything you're saying, John, is bullshit. It doesn't mean it is bullshit. No, it's, it, 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 this yes. was the worst game that I think I've seen from him in a long time. And oh. I'm not even talking about the fact that he had 15 points on 17 shots, 0 of 5 from 3. There were, and Hazonia did this too, there were just some serious mental issues that occurred that just kept, they were bleeding. It felt like they were constantly bleeding. And uh, yeah, that was the hardest thing for me to watch. It wasn't, hey, they're scoring on us. It was we're making dumb decisions, and they are capitalizing by draining three after three after three. And that was what was so hard to sit through. Uh, there, there, Jesus, there's a lot of directions that we could go here. Um, I'm gonna okay. Let's let's talk, talk about Moutier briefly because you brought him up. Yeah. So I sent out the tweet this morning, basically saying I I, I retweeted something about the game that D'Angelo Russell had last night, and I said. And I noticed I did not say it was my argument. I said that <laughs> I would imagine that the Knicks' argument for bringing Moutier back for another year is essentially, you know, D'Angelo Russell now has spent almost two full years with the Nets. And last year was not a great year for him. Um, even earlier this season, I mean, he got benched in a fourth quarter earlier this year. Now he's obviously putting it all together, and he, he was an all-star, and he's, he's gotten even better since then. Um, Moutier was arguably the worst player in the entire league, or at least the worst guard in the entire league, the last two years. And this season, you know, he's had, he's been, I don't know, the 45th best guard in the league. He's been like an average backup. So it's like... I, I think that's generous, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay, it probably is. It probably is. But that, well, but you know what, though? Because he's then, he, you can't also completely dismiss those like five or six games where he's been like a, when he's played like an above average starter. He's then had many more games where he's been a, a train wreck like tonight. But anyway, my point was this. If you were going to be like, all right, he made this much progress in year, like really year one under, you know, this coach in this system, what could he do in another year? But then the counterpoint to that is exactly like you said. He makes certain plays. And it's not even the the certain plays that he makes every night that make you shake your head. He, like, they didn't have a prayer tonight with him running the show and with him trying to defend the point of attack. He can't defend the point of attack, can he? No. 
No, he can't. And on offense, there were at least two plays, or two field goals that he made of the seven that I distinctly remember where he would cut through the paint, um, not uh, not vertically, but horizontally. And instead of driving to the rim, he would just cut across and then take some ridiculous two. And yeah. the only thing is that he made it. Great. Okay, you made it. But, and again, we talked about this last time, it still resonates what Zach Lowe was saying, where that's just yeah. not a good shot. No. And it's the decision-making like that where if you miss it, we're going to kill you for it. If you make it, okay, you made it, but why did you take that shot? Was there really no other opportunity for any of your other teammates out there? Did you not want to draw contact? You went to the line once tonight. Did, you could call bad you know, bad calls on the refs, but I don't think that's no, the case. No, that's, that's not it. And it's – it's the it's the consistent lack of getting others involved on on offense. But more than that, if you're the backup point guard on an NBA, on an NBA team, there are plenty of backup point guards on teams that take on that shoulder more of the load themselves, the offensive load. And if there were no concerns on defense, and Moutier had more of a tendency to put his head down and like take you know somewhat inefficient shot, but make some of them. If that were the only problem, it's like, but <sighs> him on defense tonight, and I'm not putting all the blame on him. He's playing alongside Kevin Knox, who, if he isn't the worst defensive player in the league, is damn close. DeAndre Jordan seemed like he's already got, you know, one foot on a, a nice sandy beach in Cancun. <laughs> um, you know, Damian Dotson, I, you know, off ball, and, and obviously the Utah Jazz are a team that kills you, kills you by moving around, and, and it exposed Dotson tonight. So obviously, no. This is not all on Moutier, and I don't want to make this a Moutier podcast, but I I, I can't disagree with you. Um, and I wonder, I don't know if you noticed it, I did. Fisdale put him in briefly at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and he was in there for about two or three possessions, and then... The Jazz went on a little run, and it wasn't necessarily because of him, but then he got yanked, and that was it. We didn't see him for us the game. I thought that was interesting, and I wonder, um, I don't know, just made me think. Uh, okay, um, let's talk about Fisdale. General question, where are you at on him at this point? You feeling good? Feeling okay? You feeling shitty? Does this matter? Does this, do, do these two games matter at all? Or is it just there's 10 games left in a season that means nothing and he's tasked with, you know, dragging this bunch of 20 and 21 and 22 and 23-year-olds across the finish line? Where are we at here? For the last two games specifically? Or just gen- no, in general. Ge- I mean- generally, I feel like it's a big incomplete because you have these great shining moments of players like Robinson, Trier, uh, Dotson's ability to excel. And you think to yourself, there's some real development going on here. And I get it. Development's not a straight line. Um, sometimes it takes an off season and I'm totally cool with that. But you also look at um, certain players. I understand respect, respond to different forms of motivation, but again, and I know he's been injured. I'm, I don't want to make this a Frank podcast, but he's been toiling away for the most part, this whole season uh, in a different position. He hasn't gone down to the G League where they actually have done a great job of developing players. Yeah. Mike Miller won coach of the year last year. They know what they're doing down there. Yeah. And so 
I look at that and I think it seems like it's very clear that you only care about explosiveness, athleticism, and offense. And yet then I see that their defense improves more than their offense does, but then it's stagnant. So, and, you know, we talked about this too. It's like what you said before with the ingredients and cooking. And that's why it's so hard for me to give him a fair grade because I'd like to see what he can do with actual talent. But, but that's like – yeah, no. Keep going. No, t- I mean tonight just felt like a mess and I got to be honest, John. I think Knox did really well offensively. Oh, but he was a- – But why the hell is Kevin Knox playing 47 minutes? 47 minutes. Uh, it's a lot. A that was a blowout from the beginning. Well, you know, but in, in fairness and, and I will I will put on the um, – I will put on the rose-colored glasses – he had it going tonight on offense more than he has at any point, you know, arguably since in in two and a half months. So it's like you got your rookie out there feeling good. He, as Fisdale said in the post game, he he felt like he was attacking with a purpose and he had a plan out there. Those were Fisdale's words, which I actually agree with. I thought I thought his there was a lot. There was I didn't see any of those like haphazardly dribbling into the abyss moves from Knox, um, which I thought was great. So I, I didn't mind. And, and the minutes, I'm not blaming his defense on, on the minutes. His defense was as bad in minute one as it was in minute 47. Um, but I, I listen, I, I understand the criticism. I guess where I'm thinking about with Fisdale, when you see things consistently like, Kevin Knox not taking that extra step out onto that three-point shooter. Is that a function? Is that just on Kevin Knox? Is that on David Fisdale? Who's that on? If I see Emmanuel Mudiay yet again looking at a screen like, oh my God, they changed the rules of basketball. I didn't know the uh, offensive player was allowed to stand there and block my path to the guy that I'm guarding and act like this is a revolutionary thing. Is that on Emmanuel Mudiay? Because he sucks, or is that on David Fisdale? These are the questions that I'm finding myself um, asking, and I don't know, is it an effort thing? I don't know, is it a technique thing? I don't know, is it a teaching thing? I don't know what it is. But that's what I'm asking myself, and I don't know the answer. I don't know if you do. but No, I think it depends on the player, and that's that's fair. feels like that's a lazy a, answer. But no, it's, no, it's, 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 it's actually it's a, it's a great answer. Because Knox, I mean, you look at him, right? He's very green. He's been in the league for less than a season, there are going to be these mental errors. There are going to be areas of his game that he really needs to refine. And assuming he's still on this team next year and that there aren't huge changes and then the team sends him away, he's. I expect him to improve in certain parts. But then there are going to be other areas that will feel very stagnant and where he may even regress, believe it or not. With Moutier, I mean, he's, he's not a seasoned pro by any stretch, but you have to get the sense of, okay, well – you were in Denver, which is one of the best places to be for development. Yeah. And you didn't really do much there. Came to New York. Half a season, you – or not even half a season. Really like 25 or so games after the trade deadline. Um, you were the point guard. Not much changed. You were still coming back. Uh, maybe there was some – I'd say that there's some progress based on where he came in. But but what does that really mean in the end? Is he – would I say that he's a capable backup point guard right now? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he you, would get significant minutes or even 
really garbage time minutes on yeah, an elite you, team. You wouldn't feel comfortable if you're if you're a team that's planning on like making noise in the playoffs. You, you're not obviously feeling comfortable with Emmanuel Moutier playing rotation minutes. I think that's right. Your, that's your point. So when I look at Moutier, and again, when I see him dancing around the paint, or the fact that he since I want to say January first or so has among players with 10 drives to the basket attempted or more yeah. has something like the fourth worst field goal percentage. It's that I checked cleaning the glass today. He's down, he's shooting 54% around the rim on the year, which while that's much better than years past, it's still the 19th percentile in the league. Right. Well, in and his I, position. But I want to say within the almost last three months, he has been Even hovering like, around 40%. That's atrocious. Exactly. And so then, and again, I, I get it. They don't see Frank as a point guard. They see him more as a wing. They don't love the fact that he's been aggressive, uh, that he hasn't been aggressive, They and he hasn't been able to play for whether that's because of his physical injury or because they're holding him out, whatever. I don't want to get into conspiracy conspiracy theories, but the point still being, it's like you're taking Moutier warts and all without investing in your own homegrown talent. And that really resonated with me tonight because it was just – you're getting the same thing just – Sometimes the turd looks better than, <laughs> it, you know. <sighs> no, listen, I, 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 I feel you can't you. polish a turd to the extent where it's going to be a suitable piece. And, and I, I, yeah, yeah. And and again, this is not. I'm not trying to rip on him, saying this whole game is his fault. This is a team game. I thought Hazonia played atrociously. Um, he scored a lot. I mean, he, he was he was efficient from three. 30. Yeah, right. But yeah. other than that, it's like. There was one sequence to begin the second quarter where he was the cause of two turnovers, a missed shot, and he had a wide open Mitchell Robinson, and he didn't get him the ball. And just in, and that was actually 52 seconds because I remembered looking up at that missed shot and I was like, "We're still in the second quarter, right?" And it just blew my mind that that could be the case. But again, and we we've discussed the fact that a lot of these guys are probably not coming back next year, or they're at least on these one year deals. So you get the sense that this, these games are going to get more and more um, me-centric for the players and less team game because they want to finish strong personally. And while I'm sure they'd love to win, uh, they're also looking ahead at what might be in store for them this summer. Well, I'll say this. They had some. They ended up with 23 assists tonight, and granted that's because the Jazz defense obviously let up a little bit. But um, Henry Ellenson um, had five assists. He, you know... A lot of those came late. He was looking to pass the ball. Knox actually made some nice purposeful passes, which is something we've mm-hmm. been seeing a little bit more from him, which is nice. Um, I, that's on Fisdale. He needs to make sure that this the last 10 games does not devolve into selfish basketball, selfish games where there's literally no development happening because um, that would be a shame. On Moutier, the last thing I'm going to say on him is this. I, when you watch game after game and it's just one point guard after another you know whether it's the Aaron Fox or, or Donovan Mitchell or whoever it is, it's just every I look up and down the league it's 25 teams have these point guards that can I mean I was watching the friggin Blazers before um Damian Lillard for them obviously Doncic on the other end just guys who could make stuff happen and you know, we love Frank Nilakina in part because he is different. He is cut from a different cloth. Do I blame the organization entirely for not wanting to rest all of their hopes and dreams on 
you know, Nilakina essentially bucking the trend and being a different type of point guard that could run a show in the modern game. I don't know. Um, am I okay with them, you know, trying him a little bit more off ball? Yeah. And was I okay with them for much of the year trying to make Emmanuel Moutier into something that, you know, he has thus far not been able to be, but the outline was there. I didn't have an issue with it, except, and, and uh, even, but of late, since he's been back, he's only played because Frank has been hurt. So now let's see what happens on Friday night. Their next game is Friday, right? I, I'm pretty Correct. sure. Correct, against yeah. the Nuggets. Against the Nuggets. Let's let's see what happens Friday. If Frank is back and, um, well, but then again, Smith is still going to be out, so there's still going to be a need for two-point guards. So I don't know. Maybe the leash continues, but um, I think to your point, and, and, and we've talked about him for God knows way too long, um, he, he is what he is. It's it's yeah. not getting better. But if Trier is healthy this Friday, and you he's give, playing, you want you if, want to give him the backup point guard minutes? That's fine. Well, but that's what I'm saying is that if you give if Trier and Frank come back and we see Frank pretty much going completely off ball, that tells us everything that we need to know. Yeah, um, because why else would you do that? We've seen Trier handling the ball. It is not a situation that is positive it, in the slightest. I I think. Like I said, I think they just don't think that Frank possesses the qualities that you need to be a full-time starting point guard. Um, right. Or if you don't give him the opportunity, you'll never know. Yeah, no, listen, it's fair. It's it's absolutely fair, and I hope that, um, I hope that he comes back these last 10 games and maybe shows us something that um, we haven't seen um, other than that, that lovely three-game stretch that we were all jumping on our couches for earlier in the season. Um, let's just briefly mention Knox before we go because it, uh, we, we talked about him for a second, but it, it bears repeating. Kid had 27 points tonight on, on 17 shots, and he played, like I said, very in control, had three assists, had eight rebounds, was hitting the, the glass hard. Really nice game from him. Really nice game from Mitchell Robinson. Again, both of them had their issues on defense, but Robinson, 14 points, 6 of 10 from the floor, 12 rebounds. He was really getting after it on the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and Damian Dotson, 21 points on 13 shots. Um, and, and again, putting aside the defense, nice offensive game. For an ass-kicking, um, it was nice to see those three performances. Was it, was it not? It was, especially from, a, from Dotson's standpoint. Yeah. Because as his catch-and-shoot threes go up and up, it makes me more confident that he can be a starting shooting guard for an actually decent team or, or a good team just because he, he can play off ball so well. Yeah. And so watching games like tonight, it was encouraging to see that, all right, we know that his off ball defense has been pretty poor, but it's nice to see that from an offensive side, we're in good shape here. We can, we can maybe put him as a starter on a good team. And we should note that um, this since the um, since the All Star break, um, he is. This is going to go up a tick because obviously Basketball Reference uh, doesn't have tonight's stats yet. He is averaging or going into tonight, he was averaging sixteen over sixteen points, uh, over four rebounds, almost three assists, almost a steal a game, and forty two percent from three and. That will that'll go up because he was four of nine. Um, he was four of nine tonight. 
This is the, let's count really quick, one, two, three, four, five, sixth time since the All-Star break he has eclipsed the 20-point mark. So, yeah, no, that's like, and listen, he's still a second-round pick. Um, that's only in his second year in the league. So if you're looking for signs of, like, late season, like, hey, that's something, you know, it's Damian Dotson. I'm, I'm really encouraged, too. Um, all right, we have somehow... We always do this, man. It's it's almost like the worst of the game, the longer we talk about it. This well, we a, find more to nitpick and critique. Yeah, well, listen, if we want to go up and down the list of, of things to nitpick, we would, we would be here until midnight. <laughs> um, anything else for this game that you think needs to be said? I was amazed at the sheer number of threes that the Jazz were taking. It's they just... finished the game shooting 42 threes on 85 attempted field goals. But during the game, it there was a point where they were shooting more three-pointers than they were um, two-point shots, and that absolutely amazed me. Well, I don't and know if you were aware in the first half, putting aside the threes, there was a point in time, I, I swear, I think they said on the broadcast that the Jazz were like 21 of 23 from two-point range at one point. I swear to God, I think that's what that was the statistic. Anyway. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Um. Yeah, that fucking that worries me. That really. And meanwhile, the Knicks hit forty-one point nine percent from three themselves. Oh, and, I know. But you know, that's not the important part. The important part is they gave up one hundred and thirty-seven points to a road team. That's I, a problem. It. Here's here. I'll, I'll end with this. I. I think if this is what the next ten games is going to be. Where it's it's going to be a problem. Um, they they need to figure out a way to clean this up and get it back because if it if they come back out on on you know Friday night and they have a respectable defensive effort against the Nuggets and and, and close the year out with at least attaining a modicum of respect respectability, then I think you're actually going to look back on this year as I can't believe I'm saying this, but one in which progress was achieved defensively because. I know I checked the stats going into the Raptors game. I'm pretty sure going into the Raptors game from January 1st onwards, they were 20th in the league in defensive rating, which is almost nuts when you consider how terrible. I'll take it. Yeah, no, it, yeah. like con- considering how bad they were from for, you know, the the first couple months of the year. Um and then obviously it's going to change with these last two games. I need to see it get back to at least being respectable cuz that And looks, I don't Yeah. I don't know if that's possible because they have 10 games left this season. Their opponents are the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Raptors, the Heat, the Bulls. Those are all home games. Then they go to Orlando to play the Magic, Houston to play the Rockets, home for the Wizards, in Chicago for the Bulls, and then they finish the season at home against the Pistons. Well, And I honestly don't know how many of those games they can actually break 100, and I don't feel confident they can win more than one game. In fact, even saying that they can win one game – I don't feel conf- confident saying that. I think they can, but I mean, I got to tell you, that is a rough way to end your season. And it can be very deflating to lose all of those games or at least play against superior competition that beats you down to the point where your season doesn't end on that encouraging high of, well, we were losing, but there were competitive losses. It, I'm just very concerned it's going to be beat down after beat down and then a close loss, and then another beatdown, and then they just kind of hang their heads. And well, it's on Fizdale to make sure that, as you were saying, 
they've got to be up, they've got to be positive, and they need to end the season the right way. You know what? If we're going to be fair, and I always I always claim that I'm fair. People call me out and they say I'm not. They say I'm overly optimistic. If I'm going to be fair, you know what I'm pointing to right now? I'm pointing to the fucking Cleveland Cavaliers because guess what? The Cleveland Cavaliers, who are the only team in the league that you could argue has less talent than the Knicks, although Kevin Love is, has been back, um, they have won. They're a 500 team, a 500 fucking team over their last 14 games, okay? They've gone 7-7, seven and seven. and I know some of the, those are largely not impressive wins. They've beaten the Bulls, the Wizards, uh, sorry, they've beaten the Knicks, the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Knicks again, the Magic, um, they beat the Raptors, though, and then tonight they beat the Bucks without Giannis. You know, I know there's some duds in there, but, you know, it's like, you want to talk about a shitty team making progress? Well, guess what? The Cavs have done it. So if the Cavs could do it, I feel like the Knicks should be at least held to that standard. Yeah, and John, can you tell me what the Cavs' odds are for the number one pick right now? <laughs> I believe, Jeremy, I believe mm-hmm. they are 14%. Oh, well, the, the Knicks' odds must surely be higher, right? Shockingly, they are not. Ah. Oh. They are also for well that you know what if there's one positive that came out of tonight the Cavs won I don't think I I think that really puts the nail in the coffin of we are going to finish with one of the worst two records in the league so if you're this listening- team is not going three and seven and and Phoenix is not going zero oh, and I think uh, ten if I'm doing the math correctly yeah I think you are doing the math correctly um or zero oh, and nine no wait. Whatever it is, it would require Phoenix going 0 for the season, and it would require the Knicks um, winning three more games. So I agree that that's highly unlikely, but um, that's at least in the realm of possibility. Them catching, Mm -hmm. catching, in air quotes, the Cavs is not. Um, So uh, the Knicks are certainly going to end up with a top six pick. In all likelihood, they will end up with a top five pick. Um, Is that going to matter? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> I know. Uh, all right, Jeremy. Got anything to plug, promote, um, plead? Any other P words? Um, I'll just plead with people to start rooting for wins because what? There, there's no other point. It, it's just masochism to an even further extent. You're already going to get the the number one worst record. So let's just enjoy a few more wins. I, I know. I feel like I keep saying this, but... It's just like, like I went to tonight's game and I would have loved to have seen them win, not just because I was there in person, but just based on the fact that there are, their record is already sealed. Yeah. So that is the thing I will plug since there is no podcast coming out and I do not have an article uh, in the chamber at the moment. Um, well, I, I wrote an article today about finding God in the rest of this uh, yes. season and off season. So I've reached the end of my rope. Well, uh, I appreciated your usage of Michigas. <laughs> I really did. And if you need any more Yiddish words, I am more than happy to supply them. Um, I'm gonna. My next article is actually going to be completely in in. Uh, no, well, I, I, Yiddish isn't like a, yang, a language that I could write an entire article with. Um, no, you'd have to like sprinkle it in here and there. But there's some great words. There uh, really, there really are. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, even that aren't in the like English periphery that haven't really kind of permeated what we know like 
it's a beautiful language and I don't speak very much of it. I don't know how to form sentences. I just know random words and I love it. It's great. Uh, well, I, I challenge you to how, for however many more of these things there are over the course of this, this year, I want you to throw some Yiddish into the podcast, um, from now on, uh, when hopefully we can be talking about some wins, um, because fuck it. I, I really would just like to see a few more, um, cause I'm running out of alcohol. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for, for coming on here. I, I, I know, um, it's been a long night already, although you say you had fun, so that's good. And, uh, yeah, man, you're, you're a trooper and we, um, we appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, of course. And of course, everyone out there, um, you're sticking with this. You deserve credit for that because this 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 has not always been easy this season uh, to watch this team and to root for this team. But um, hopefully there are bigger things in store, bigger, better things in store, and this will all be, um, you know, bricks in the road towards um, something nice. Um, but right now they are certainly bricks. Uh, and on that note, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And we will see you uh, with another episode tomorrow with a very special guest, someone that I've been trying to get on for a couple months, actually. And I finally got him, and I'm very excited. So I'll leave you hanging with that. Um, enjoy your week, everybody. Peace out. Peace out.